Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. His Confidence in You, Episode 12 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. The more we are made aware of Jesus and His Word, the more we are able to discern our thoughts from His. Here's Jacqueline. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Oh, Lord Jesus, we lay John 17 before you. Jesus, these are your words, and we get to read them. And not only do we get to read them, we get to claim them. And this truth just blows me away every time I hold on to these verses. I just pray that you will speak to us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will go before, that my words will not even be spoken today unless they're yours. I pray that you will speak to each and every one of our hearts as we read through John 17. I pray that you will be the one that teaches each of us what we need to hear today. I pray that we will not get distracted by anything that's going on in our mental space, in our emotional world, that our baggage won't enter into today. I pray that you'll cast out all fear, all evil. I pray that you'll forgive us of our sins that sin that you brought to mind right now, I pray that you'll hear our plea for forgiveness over that sin. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'll walk before us. Walk before us as a group of women inseparable. Grow us as a group, grow us individually, and above all else, grow us in you. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray, amen. Amen. John 17. It starts with these few words. When Jesus had spoken these words... So I read that. Did anybody else ask yourself, what words did he just speak? Did anybody else go back to John 16 to see what words he spoke? And then concluded at the beginning of John 16 that there wasn't a start or finish of what he was saying. So did anybody else go back to John 15 and read John 15? And as you read John 15, you're like, there's no start or finish as to when he's speaking and to whom he's speaking to. So you went back to John 14. Anybody else? And you go back to John 14. And you read that he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And you sit with that for a second. But it still doesn't answer your question, what all is Jesus saying? So you go back to John 13, and you work your way through John 13, and you see John 13, 1, and you realize, oh, this was the Lord's Supper. This is what's happening. This is what Jesus just got done talking about was the Lord's Supper. So I went to start with John 13, 1 and read all four. No, just kidding. (laughs) If I can give homework, this is my homework. Read all four chapters. They're powerful. And it all took place in that upper room in that Last Supper. We just finished Easter. Does Easter just overwhelm your soul this year? It was good. It's good every year. Lord have mercy, we celebrate our risen Savior every year, every day, every moment of our life. But last Easter being so isolated, and this year being so free to worship our King, Easter was good. And today we get to go back to the Lord's Supper. And what Jesus did and what Jesus said. It's powerful. It's beautiful stuff. It's interesting to me what John recorded of the Lord's Supper. We see the Lord's Supper in Matthew and Mark and Luke. 
this is what we see of the Lord's Supper in John. John, Jesus' shall we say best friend? Jesus had friends. Friends are important. Do you have friends? If you don't, side note, show yourself friendly. <laughs> A little tidbit from my own pocket. Or scripture. Side note, that's scripture. Be friendly. You want a friend? Show yourself friendly. Proverbs. Jesus was friendly, and he showed himself as such, and he had friends. We can name them. He had 12 of them. Of his 12 friends, he had close friends. Of his close friends, he had a friend of whom he loved. This is John. So John writes his account of the Lord's Supper, and this is what he says in chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, well, that didn't really explain the whole Lord's Supper, but that was John's takeaway. John wrote this book at the end of the first century. Let's call it like 90, 85 to 95 AD. It was one of the last books of the New Testament to be written. In fact, some of the last books of the New Testament to be written was the book of John, the letter of 1 John, the letter of 2 John, the letter of 3 John, and the book of Revelation. Those were all some of the last books that were written. So here's John as an elder, older in year, shall we say? We could say he was old. <laughs> and he was looking back in his life and he was writing these memories. And when John thought back of the Lord's Supper, that was his conclusion of it. And he talks about Jesus and how Jesus knew that his hour was coming. The hour in which he was going to depart out of this world to go back to his father. And I can't help but think John was thinking of this prayer that he sat under as he worded that. Jesus loved his own. His own were go was going to remain in the world, and he loved, loved him until the end. In verse 2 of chapter 13, G uh, John writes, During supper, there's his reference to the Lord's Supper, right? So he gives very, very little detail. But he says, During the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He only mentioned the Lord's Supper based on during supper, what Jesus said to Judas, and after supper, he rose. And then we read the whole chapter 13, what Jesus said to Peter and what Jesus said to Judas and what Jesus said to the disciples as a whole. And then it goes right into chapter 14, that for chapter 14 and 15 and 16, Jesus gives a, it's been labeled as a farewell speech. It's his final words to John, to Matthew, to Thomas, to Bartholomew, to Andrew. It's his final words. They're sitting and Jesus is saying these words, I am the way silence. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And they just got done seeing what happened with Judas. And they don't know what's happening. One of their people just, just left the room. And Jesus knew why they were leaving the room. 
the men had no idea. Change was getting ready to happen. And Jesus knew every detail of it. Peter knew none of it. John knew none of it. All they know is Jesus says, I am the truth. And they're like, my thoughts are going. I don't know what the way is. I don't know what the truth is. And Jesus says, don't even worry about it. I am the life. Okay. And he goes on, chapter 14. And he promises in verse 15 of that passage of John 14, the Holy Spirit. He introduces the Holy Spirit and he says, I have you covered. Don't worry about it. What's going on in this space? What's going on in this space? Don't worry about it. I've got you covered. And here's how I have you covered the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to introduce you to him yet because I'm still with you. You don't need him right now because you have me. But one day I'm going to go to my father and the father will send the Holy Spirit to you because that's what I've asked God to do. The confidence in what Jesus had of that whole plan is astounding. Chapter 15, he goes on and he says, I am the true vine. We see him over and over repeat the fact that I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. And we hear abide in me and abide in me and abide in me. And we go back to last week's lesson of 1 John 5. And it brings 1 John 5 to such a beautiful lively note. Like, okay, I see where John was going. John was going with Jesus' words. Makes more sense. John wasn't telling us what he knew. John was telling us what he knew because that's what Jesus told him specifically right here. He says, abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. So then he goes on in chapter 15 and he says, and by the way, the world's going to hate you. And I know the world is going to hate you because the world hates me because I'm not of the world. I, Jesus Christ, am not of this world. And the world hates me. And guess what about you? You're not of the world either. And I wonder which man in that room sat and thought, but um, my DNA, but my soil, but my story, but my past. And Jesus says, you're not of the world. Your soil is new. Your DNA is washed clean. It doesn't matter the story of your mother. It doesn't matter the story of your father. It does not matter the story of your grandparents or your heritage or your inheritance. It does not matter. What matters now is you are not of the world. You're not. Whole new beginning. That's who you are. And then he goes on to chapter 16. And he talks about the Holy Spirit again. He couples it. The Holy Spirit is coming. You're going to love him. I'm going to send him for you. Abide in me because the world is going to hate you. But this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And he full circles, surrounds them. He talks about their sorrow, that sorrow will come. Don't be shocked when sorrow comes. You ever felt sorrow? Were you ever shocked or upset that you felt sorrow? Did you ever feel weak? that you felt sorrowful. That was a sign of weakness. Why do we do that to ourselves? Sorrow will come. You're human. You will have sorrow. You're alive. You will have sorrow. So don't be like embarrassed by it. And I'm talking to me. Don't be embarrassed by it. The Lord promises I will turn your sorrow into joy. And then we go back to James. Joy. Let yourself cry when you need to cry call it joy. He finishes chapter 16 by saying, I have overcome the world. And he says in verse 26, 
He says, in that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, there's going to come a day where I'm going to go to the Father and I will not be with you. And in that day, you will ask in my name. And I'm not saying that I'm going to ask the Father for you. You are going to ask. He just flipped the coin. This whole time, whenever we heard Jesus pray, Jesus was the one that prayed to the Father, and things happened. And at this point, he's saying, I'm going to my Father. I'm not going to be with you, but you are going to start praying to the Father in my name. And again, we think of what he, John said in First John, ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. That was the gift Jesus gave to us. Verse 27, he says, for the Father himself loves you. We have so many struggles with confidence. As a mom, we struggle with confidence. Am I the only one? <laughs> have you ever doubted your mom move? <laughs> As a wife, we struggle with confidence. I don't think I'm the only one there. Did I say the wrong thing? Did I use the wrong tone? Did you use the wrong timing? Does dinner taste okay? I burnt it. I know you're lying. <laughs> we doubt ourselves. We struggle with confidence. As a woman, Lord, have mercy. I have a feeling one of us walked in the room today and wondered about our physical appearance. We have our confidence wavers. I heard a, my cousin, I was actually listening to my cousin preach the other day with my son. He was doing this study on friendship. So Peyton and I were listening to this together. And he says, this is the coolest thing. I'm at Starbucks the other day. My cousin is addicted. And he's at, at Starbucks. And he's like, I was watching this guy with his huge dog, like a melon. Um, there it is. Outside, huge, massive dog. And the dog was sitting there, and he said the dog was anticipating something, and the man was just sitting at the table staying busy. And then up walks another gentleman, and the dog jumped on all four legs, and as the man came closer, the tail went faster, and the man comes closer, and his top paws, or his front paws, jump up on the gentleman and almost knock him down. The gentleman sits down next to his friend, and his face is now covered by a dog tongue. <laughs> this is what happens. And my cousin, his name is Joshua, he said, I watched that whole scene and the joy and the happiness over this man who got shoved in a chair and overcome by a bear <laughs> and how thrilled he was at this encounter of the love of this dog. He says, if you want to be a friend, be a dog. <laughs> he says, this dog didn't think once. Does that man think my coat is shiny? Yeah. <laughs> that dog is not wondering, what does he think of my, my tail wag? I've been working on my tail wag. I hope he <laughs> likes my tail wag. I lost it. I'm like, that is so true. A dog could care less. All he knows is you love me. Let me show you how much I love you. We lose our confidence. We walk in a room in a room of women, and we automatically think every woman is wondering what we're wearing, how we did our hair, if our makeup looks okay, if we smell pretty, if our shoes are high enough, <laughs> if we're going to fall on our face, if we try to wear a shoe high enough. <laughs> we worry too much about our confidence when Jesus says, I love you and God loves you. Can we get our confidence there? As a mom, can we get our confidence there? Do you know the child you have is given to you by God? The one who loves you gave you that kid. 
That's love. That man that you're married to is a gift from God. Some of us need to write that down. Confidence in God. The body that you have right now was given to you, designed by God for you to love and to take care of. Do you have confidence in that? It's yours. It's a gift from God. Cherish it. Because you know what? God does. He loves it. He gave you that body. Have confidence in it. How's that for a little free side sister note? Confidence is good. When we bring confidence in our prayer life, it's amazing the fruit that comes from it. And here as we read through John 17, we're going to see the confidence that God has in you. The confidence that Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, has in you. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus is confident in me? How hard would that be to say that sentence out loud? Jesus Christ is confident in me. Can I give homework? Will you write that down even right now on your paper? Jesus Christ has confidence in me. And I ask you all to say that out loud. I highly, highly doubt when we say that out loud, we're going to be struggling with pride. Sometimes we don't want to say things because we feel like our pride's going to be seen. I don't think you're going to be battling with pride when you're saying out loud, Jesus Christ is confident in me. I have a feeling there might be a tear. I have a feeling scripture might overflood your soul. I have a feeling your knees might touch the ground. But know that that is the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And the truth is this, I love you. And when we read through his words, you're going to see how confident he is in you. And I pray above all else that we'll see his confidence, we'll claim his confidence, we'll know his confidence, and we'll go forward in it. Can we do that? John 17. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and that they know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What do you know? Verse four, Jesus prays, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Do you see the past tense? I glorified you on earth. I have already accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had when I was with you before the world even existed. That's the glory I pray that is over me right now. This is what Jesus prays. Verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people that you gave me out of the world. Yours? They were, and you so sweetly gave them to me. And they have kept your word. I wonder what disciple was sitting there knowing the truth of themselves, knowing the argument they just had. Who's greatest in heaven? 
can I sit next to you in heaven? How many times do I have to forgive? I don't like Judas right now. You're saying words that are scaring me and I don't know how to handle them. A change is coming and I don't know what that looks like. And here Jesus knows what's going on in each and every one of their heads, each and every one of their hearts. And he says these words, yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. How confident was Jesus over Peter? Peter, who within the next upcoming hours was going to deny him three times. And Jesus looks at him and says to the father, he has kept my word. Jesus is so big, we can't even comprehend. His love is so vast, we can't even dip our toe in it. But we can certainly sit there like a three-year-old and say, I accept it. I want all of that. Whether I can grasp it or not, it's mine. And I, I <laughs> give me, give me, give me. <laughs> verse 7. And I hate putting verse numbers to this because it's one beautiful prayer. Verse 70, he says, now they know that everything that you have given me, it's from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. Sit with that. Where are your words coming from? What are you clinging to? What are you believing? And they have received them. And they have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. Do you see the level of repeated confidence in verse eight? He goes on in verse nine and he says, I am praying for them. Underline that and connect that to a verse we're going to come across later in this prayer. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. It's a powerful statement. But I am praying for those to whom you have given to me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. These people, these ones, they that I'm praying over right now, I find my glory in them. Are you sitting under this prayer? Do you feel confidence from the Lord over you? Verse 11, look at the emotion. Consider, and this is my request, consider the emotion of the hearer. We know the stories of these, of these disciples. We're familiar at least with one disciple, and we're familiar with maybe an emotion that one of the disciples felt. Feel that connect to that emotion, what that person is feeling when Jesus says these words. And then hear the emotion of Jesus in this sentence. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are. I'm not of the world and neither am I going to be in the world any longer. But these that you've given to me, they're not of the world, but they have to stay in the world. I can't take them with me. They're here, Father. The ones that you gave me are here, and I'm not going to be here anymore with them. He says, I am coming to you. It's been 33 years that Jesus Christ has lived 
in human time, in human flesh, in human temptation, 33 years accomplishing the work that was set before him to do. And he's saying, it's been 33 years and I get to come home. It's been 33 years and I have to say goodbye. Do you feel that terror that he had to have been feeling? I get to come home. Oh, that's a good feeling. I can't bring them with me. That's a heartbreaking sentence. He says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. The ones that you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction. I wonder how many thoughts drifted back away from the Lord's words at this point. Judgment, perhaps. Doubt and fear. Verse 13. He says, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world for one reason, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves today. I have given them your word, verse 14 says, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't do it. But I do ask that you'll keep them from the evil one. We're going over the Lord's Prayer with Steve, are we not, every Sunday? We're going to be seeing this coming up. This is a very important thing to pray for ourselves and for one another. Pray for protection from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world. Get your confidence there. Just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart in the truth. What's the truth? Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. We talked about being consecrated when we were talking about national fasting. And to consecrate is to set yourself aside for a holy service. Jesus is saying right here, right now, I'm setting myself aside to be a holy sacrifice for them so that they can sit in truth. Verse 20, you know how earlier we underlined the, the lines, I am praying for them. Verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I am praying for those that whom Peter tells and receives and who they tell and receive and in whom they tell and receive and whoever told you and you receive Jesus Christ as your risen savior. This prayer is for you. Have confidence and the fact that Jesus Christ is praying for you. That gives me chills. Verse 21, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, so that you can tell somebody else that Jesus has risen again, and they will believe, and Jesus will be praying over them. Don't be selfish in keeping this prayer to yourself. There are more people that need to know Jesus is praying for me. Have you ever had somebody say, I just wish I knew that somebody was praying for me? Mm -hmm. You can say, well, I'm praying for you. That's great. 
You could also say, Jesus is praying for you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus is the Son of God? Do you know Jesus came to earth, that he died on the cross, sinless, in perfection for my sin? Do you know that Jesus conquered my sin, conquered all this shame and the guilt and the gross that came with my sin, and he rose again? Do you know Jesus is in heaven alive today and that he's given us the Holy Spirit and given us the gift of salvation? Do you know that? No. Would you like to know that? Yeah. Scripture. And at that point, you can say, I am praying for you. And Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, is praying for you. You're washed in that confidence. What a sweet gift. Give that gift. Somebody gave that gift to you. Give that gift. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. He's given us so much that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you, God, and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. What a sweet request he asked of God. That's for you. He's praying that for you. He says, Father, I desire that they whom you've given me can be with me where I am. Jesus desires that we see his glory, the glory that God has given to him out of the love that God had for him before the foundation of the world. Jesus says, I want them to be with me in that same glory. That's my request, God. That's my request for my people. 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. Underline this one as well. And I'm sure there's multiple that the Lord has laid on our hearts. He says, I made known to them your name. Look at that. It's completed. I have already made known to them the name of God the Father. But then he says this. He says, I will continue to make it known. That's a timeless statement. I made known the name of God the Father, and I'm going to continue making God the Father's name known today. Jesus isn't done doing what God has asked Jesus to do. Jesus is still proclaiming the name of God. I think that's so cool. It's so sweet. It's so faithful. He does it for this purpose, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and that I, Jesus Christ, the risen one, will be in them. And dear Jesus, Lord, there are so many words that are in our hearts right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak, that you will settle, and that you will make sure within us what we know. I pray that we will know that you are the risen one, that you have come from God that you love us. Lord Jesus, I pray salvation upon the heart that does not know. 
whether she's in this room right now, whether she's listening to this video right now, whether she's one of our people in our hearts, I pray salvation, knowledge that you are the Son of God, that you are the risen Savior. I pray that gift of knowledge upon them right now. And Lord, there's a couple of praises being lifted up in our hearts right now. I pray that you'll hear those words of praise. Father God, we love you. We thank you for sending your son to be the savior of the world. And we thank you that we get to be daughters collectively united, held in the hand of Jesus Christ, held in the hand of God. Be with us today. Help us to hold on to your love. Help us to be confident in your prayer over us. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.